Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy, C-I-Double-Z-Y, you dig live action, Kansas City, Missouri, back again with another episode of the Culture Talks podcast. Yes, the Culture Talks podcast is back with yet another guest by the name of Naeem Al-Amin. To say the least, this individual is powerful. This individual is 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 kind this individual is resilient this individual has an amazing life story filled with ups and downs filled with you know just so many you know examples of of what mental fortitude is and you know he's an individual that really inspires me we met randomly at a kansas city chiefs game actually we met walking in to watch the super bowl game um in february and we talked about getting him on the podcast over the past few months and finally we got him on so naeem al-amin is a ceo and founder of swag inc swag with two g's stands for serve witness and give guidance which naeem will talk about throughout this episode he is you know a special specialty his specialties are you know in social intercourse uh community development and he really is just an amazing individual. I mean, I don't know how many times I'm going to say he's the owner of Personal Legends Criminal Justice Reform Store, which is a licensed retailer of swag ink apparel, um, you know, socially conscious, culturally relevant and authentic brand. Definitely encourage you guys to tap in after this episode. Um, swag Inc. basically believes that, you know, when you get out of prison, you should stay out and they are on a mission to promote ownership for those who are impacted by the criminal justice system and he'll talk about how they do that throughout this episode as well um he has an educational background in human resources management and services sociology and psychology from webster university k-state and cloud community college he is the currently you know human resources employment specialist at ups while like i said also running and founding Swag Inc. and Personal Legends Criminal Justice Reform Store. Um, if I haven't talked too much about him yet, we'll go ahead and let you guys hear this episode. But before we do that, I want to give you a fair warning that unfortunately the vocals on Naeem's side didn't come through clearly throughout the episode. We couldn't really fix it that much, but we just thought it was too good of an episode to not, you know, post it. So here we are. Posting the episode, I hope you guys are patient with us and listen with intent because there are too many gems and too much of a great life story to miss out on. With that being said, there is Naeem Al-Amin coming to your ears right about now. The course of my life, I should say, um, and so to come out after 30 years of interactions and be able to be a small business owner and doing good work in the community, helping young people. Like I'm I'm living like my best life, bro. Like this is I'm living my dream life. Hey, that's beautiful to hear. That's beautiful to hear. <laughs> hey. <laughs> no com no complaints is always the best way to live life. You know, just feeling blessed like like I've been talking about a lot in some of my like Instagram posts lately is just like moving with the attitude of gratitude and not just not just just to do it, but like actually realizing what you have in life and just being gracious for that and you know really really have a 
really, you know, tapping into that feeling of gratitude and understanding that, you know, not everyone is in the same situation as you and you can be, life could be way different or it might've been way different in the past. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta be, you gotta be grateful right now. Absolutely. But with that, with that being said, let's, let's go ahead and, uh, jump into jump into the episode you know i'm i've I've started recording right now so go ahead and and for the people you know introduce who you are what you do um just give us a little little rundown of you know how you would describe yourself my brother absolutely first and foremost thank you for having me on the show uh it's an honor um i'm too blessed to be stressed i'm doing well Uh, my name is naeem alameen um man even though i'm 41 I still feel like I'm this young kid from South Central Crenshaw District, LA, um, with potential, um, aspiration, vision. Um, I think for me though, back then, I didn't have a platform to express it. I didn't have um, guidance uh, to facilitate that process for me. And I experienced a long-term um, instability through foster care. So, um, but I still feel like um, I'm that um, hopeful kid from um, Los Angeles. And so currently I work at UPS, I'm in human resources, I'm the employment supervisor uh, for the downtown uh, Jane Street facility for our twilight shift. Um, I also am the CEO and founder of Swag Inc. Uh, serve, witness, and give guidance, inspiration never ceases. I love it. I love it. I love it. Tell me a little bit about, you know, well, actually we'll jump in that a little bit later. See, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, you know, right there, just okay. with your introduction you know, you covered like three or four things that I want to talk to you about, and we'll get to those throughout. But, um, you know, is there, I wanted to ask about your name. Is that your original name? Um, did your parents name you that? What's the what's the inspiration or the meaning behind the name for the folks that, that, that you know, are unaware? So that's actually um, a celestial question. Um, I don't get asked that often, um, but, you know, um, names are important. Um, that's what we are, you know, defined by, you know, a culmination of our experiences. And so um, that's not my birth name. Um, I was born uh, Antoine Haverly Tingle um, in 2006. And I believe I changed my name to Naeem Salim Alameen. And that had to do with the fact that I grew up um, in foster care. Um, I know who my mom is. We've had um, a historical relationship. Um, but I've never known who my father was. And so she, um, my mom gave me my sister's uh, father's last name. And as I got older and pursued this journey of knowledge itself, um, it would become important to me that um, for my legacy, um, that we have our own last name um, because I couldn't identify with that last name because I wasn't that person's son and I had never met that individual. And as I said, I was going in the direction of knowledge itself. And so, I wanted to, to, to own my name, so I changed it. And so Naeem uh, means one that is tranquil. Uh, Alameen means one that is trustworthy. And so those are things that I want to embody um, every moment of my life experience uh, to be peaceful and trustworthy. Um, that's important to me, and I wanted my legacy to be founded on that trustworthiness. That's beautiful, brother. That's beautiful. I love when, when, when thought goes into, you know, changes people have in their life. You know, when people... When people change whatever it is, their 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 name, when people change how they how they speak, when people change their dress, when people change their attitude of, of how they approach life. I love when it actually has purpose behind it. When people add something new to to their to their spiritual, you know, um, attributes, when somebody adds something new to their 
their physical attributes. I love when there's purpose behind it because that's part of their story. You know, that's that helps people understand who you are when they come to speak to you, when they when they you know, of course, it's important to understand who we are as an individual just for ourselves. But we live in a world where we have to interact with other humans, you know, and when we can when we when we can understand when we can understand and tap into another individual story, it makes like the love, the bond, the 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 um the connection that much stronger so thank you for sharing that that's powerful um thank you for that Just yes sir yes sir let's let's talk about how we met do you remember i do i do i do i do you know we were getting ready for that old super bowl victory you know standing yes in line. sir um, yes sir and, uh, absolutely yeah, man. I, I just thought it was funny. It's like, you know, I've kept I've kept my eyes on, on what you're doing and I love what you're doing. And like I said, we'll get into that. Um, but, you know, over the past few months, but then I started thinking about it. I was like, man, how did I even meet, bro? And so I started thinking about right. it. I started thinking about it and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, we were in line. We were in line trying to get into uh, power and light to, to go watch that Super Bowl game. And uh, that, you know, it was interesting. I feel like we, I don't exactly remember exactly what we talked about, but I know we had a little connection talking about NIP because, because that was, you know, obviously it was six, six, seven months later, but it was still fairly recent, you know, it still feels fairly new, um, you know, rest in peace to the NIP the great, but um, yeah. So like we had a little conversation about that and you shared how you were from out that way. And I had just moved, I had just moved back from LA. So it was just, it was just, you know, I saw a little human, again, human connection there where, where we were able to like tap in on, on something that we, we were had that was relatable. Um, so can you talk a little bit about life growing up in South Central LA? What was, what was that experience like? How did that, how did that shape who Naeem Al-Amin is today, right now? Thank you for that, Carlos. And so um, I'm 41 today. Um, so thank, thank uh, God, all praise to the Motar for allowing me to um, progress through those um, vicissitudes. Um, without losing my life or putting myself in a position where I could never exit prison. And so um, as I, let me kind of answer this from a historical perspective first. Um, as I will review my life story um, in my cell, I will come to understand that I was born into a system, into society that already had um, objects, um, definitions for those objects, assigned roles, and what life was going to be looking like for people of me, excuse me, for people that look like me, people of color, African-Americans or black or whatever terminology you want to use. Um, and so it was only then could I understand that um, I wasn't necessarily, you know, a felon and a drug dealer by those labels um, or criminal. Um, and so I was, you know, born not knowing my father, um, placed in foster care at six years old, and so what that looked like for me, um, I was actually born in Junction City, Kansas. And so um, one day, regular day, I'm in the living room with my family, prepared for um, bed. The next morning, I'm on a plane going to Los Angeles, California. Now I'm in a house with six other dudes and this man and woman. And they're like, this is where you're living. I'm like, nobody, you know, I, I wasn't able to resolve that psychologically. And so, um, I didn't have anyone to put their arm around me and point things out to me um, in a logical manner or be concerned with what my future would look like. And so um, I would find that support um, in the area that I grew up in. And I would be with the Rolling 60s neighborhood crip. And so um, out of survival, um, I would sell drugs. 
Um, I would commit robberies. Um, I would do things that I wouldn't do in a rational, if I had a, 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 a safe environment to flourish out of. This wasn't something that was just in me to pursue, right? And so these are things that um, I had access to um, that I could necessitate my next day, you know? And so, um, you know, I just, um, this, this last incarceration, and me being able to review my life and, and be able to read literature on criminal justice reform and look at the historical legislation um, of America and how that focuses have been disproportionately on people of color, black and brown, um, then I will be able to forgive myself and, and um, experience freedom. That's, that's, that's powerful right there. That last, that last statement right there, you know, um, I was just talking about that the other day. You need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself in order to progress. You cannot progress without forgiving yourself for your past experiences. And, and when you don't forgive yourself for your past experiences, you are unable to open that door to your future experiences. And, and, and for you saying that, and it, it's powerful because forgiving yourself does come with educating yourself. Forgiving yourself does come with um, investigation, self-discovery, you know, and, and that's exactly, that's exactly what you just shared right there that, that, that you went through to get to that point where you were comfortable in understanding that it's okay to forgive yourself and now be able to move forward. So, and, and the moment I gave myself in prison was the moment I was inspired with swagging. I had never had a thought about creating anything in my life. Like just nothing. I just for me, I was because I grew up in a different time. I was under the mindset of man, I get out of prison, I'm gonna try to get on with a company, stay there 20 years, maybe I can retire, um, stay out of trouble, you know, um, leave something for my kids, and just you know, I can progress through life like that. And so, um, soon as I mean, literally, soon as I forgave myself, um, the acronym came into my mind, serve witness and die that was the original acronym for swag it had one g instead of two g's and so uh and then the ink came to me naturally inspiration never ceases so i said okay swag ink what are we doing there and so i said was sort of like you know uh, a writer you only write what you're knowledgeable about <laughs> you know and so we're going to do a uh, criminal justice reform well how are you going to do that um we're going to focus on the youth um we're going to um to uh, um, get corporate engagement from the employer we plan to retire from, you know, or something to that in nature. Um, and so you're going to have to connect to something. And I knew this, but the swag part didn't sit with me. I said, serve witness in God. That just don't sound like I went to sleep. I woke up the next day early for child, 4 a.m. and said, give, give guidance, serve witness and give guidance. That's inspiration never ceases. <laughs> you know? Yes. Just like that. Yes. Yes, sir. I love that. I love that. And I want to double back a little bit. Um, I want to double back to to you know, young young you, you know what I'm saying? I want to talk about what were some of your early interests, you know, when you were a teenager. So of course you were in a specific, you know, situation. You were you were you were raised under certain circumstances, but Outside of that, like in, 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 in your imaginary mind as a teenager, you know, what did you want to be? What did you want to do when you grew up? Right. 
And um, I wanted to be a, this is a term that I never understood. And I see it in people's um, bios or what have you, uh, community developer, right? But I never, I'm like, what is that? How you do, how you do that? And I, I had no one to ask that question to. Um, and so um, I would grow into becoming an avid reader to escape my reality, whether I was incarcerated or in foster care. Um, you know, I just remember looking over one day and I've seen a book and I picked it up and I started reading and then I just, I wasn't in my current situation. And, and um, it was a pause for me. And then out of that, grew an affinity uh, for language because um, as I would read, I would begin to realize I didn't understand words. And so then I would get a dictionary, I started writing down. Then that would gravitate into using those words in a sentence, writing those down in a sentence. And then committed it to memory by repetition. And while I'm doing these things, I'm not in my current reality, right? And so um, as a reader, um, sports, I was good at sports early on, athletic, um, had tremendous ability, even played a little football. Um, but because of my instability through foster care, I couldn't complete anything. I never experienced completion in, in my life until now, um, at 41. And um, man, that is very, very traumatic. Um, it can have long-term effects, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I'm just, like I said, I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed to be inspired with Swag Inc. Uh, to advocate for people that can't advocate for themselves, to, to share my story, to be a, a symbol of hope. I, I, um, to be a symbol of hope. Absolutely. Blessings, blessings. I also want to say that you, you, you give me a lot of inspiration just based off the fact that, you know, no disrespect, but you're almost double my age, yet you're still young, fly, moving well, you know, like when I met you, no, for real though, when I met you, you know, I wasn't thinking, you know, you know, we don't think about age immediately when I meet somebody. So I'm just like, oh, what's up, young, fly individual, moving with peace, like with a peaceful attitude, peaceful energy, I rock with you. Yeah, go ahead and jump in line. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> But um, but yeah, like you move with you move with good energy, and you're you're you know, you know you've you've been through a tough life, and you're still out here fighting. You're still out here fighting for your purpose. You're still out here fighting to you know educate the youth. You're still out here providing. You know another thing I see via your socials: providing people jobs, providing people opportunities to grow. Um, with swagging, providing people opportunities when they when they leave there. You know, being incarcerated and coming out into the the new the new world and trying to like find their way and find their footing you're here to help you're here to help you know stop the 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 consistent you know um what word should i use basically abuse <laughs> of of minority <laughs> of minority communities and putting putting you know these communities in situations that that only lead them to a life of of challenge just a lot a lot of challenge that that you know, wasn't there except if it was systemically put there. So, um, I, you know, you inspire me. I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, so keep doing what you do. And I know that's, you know, part of your purpose and how you move, but, but, but you do a great job at it. Um, tell, tell me how, you know, see, I didn't know about the part about you being born in Junction, Junction City, Kansas. So I find okay. it interesting, you know, from, from Junction City to L.A., and when I met you, all I thought was L.A., but then when I did my research on you, I saw that you had some education through K-State, 
um, and through through a few other schools or uh, yeah, a few other schools, but you know, K State, which is in Kansas. I was wondering how you ended up back in Kansas City or back on this side. So tell me about like that transition. How did you did you always feel connected to the Midwest ever since you went to LA and like growing up? Did you come back and forth or did you or was there just a connection in the back of your head that you knew you were going to end up back here? Can you talk a little bit about that and how you ended up back in the city and how you ended up going to K State? Absolutely, my pleasure. And so um, I would not travel back and forth um, after I left at six years old. In fact, I wouldn't return until I was 21 years old. Um, and so this is um, uh, very intimate. Um, one of my friends um, had lost his life um, and I felt directly responsible for it. Um, and here's why. I um, uh, He he asked me for some drugs, you know, he was um, uh, trying to come up, he didn't have any money. And so I had a little work at that time. And so I said, yeah, bro, here, you can have this. I gave him seven grams of hard of a uh, crack cocaine. And so um, he went around the corner and like, you know, immediately got killed, you know, uh, through um, a drive-by. And so I went to his funeral and um, I remember I seen his mom um in the pew and I just and I just was like man I, I I just couldn't um imagine um just what she was going through and feel, feeling like I was directly um responsible for that and so um at that time I was like I have to leave you know so it was it was uh Samaje Aubrey um his death um, that propelled me to look at options outside of Los Angeles, California. And so um, I had a conversation with my mom and she told me that um, two of our family members had um, um, graduated from K-State and that could potentially be, you know, an option for me. And so um, I came to, to Kansas, and but I, I didn't come for college. I came with the pack, you know, so I brought drugs with me and I was immediately arrested like within two weeks. Um, pulled over on the highway for speeding uh, with drugs in the trunk. And so that was my case. Um, I didn't refute it. You know, it was just about time management at that point. Um, and I received, I had um, uh, 20, 20, 21 grams of weed, I believe, and it was individually bagged up. Um, and so they charged me with intent to sell. And I received four years uh, in prison. It was my first drug offense. And I felt like that was absurd, one. Um, just a lot of time for for that particular offense, but in that in that incarceration, I wanted to do something better for myself. Quite naturally, I always had a desire. I always felt like I could be something, and so um, I started reading sociology books. And then I said, "Okay, well, I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna study sociology." Um, and so that's what I did upon my release. Um, I would en enroll into um, Johnson uh, Cloud County Community College receive my associates in psychology, move on to K-State and receive a bachelor's in sociology and a bachelor's in criminology. And then something interesting happened. I couldn't get employed anywhere in reference to something that was comparable to my degree, right? I can go be a janitor somewhere and get $9 an hour, but I have three degrees now. You know, I'm seeking um, position, uh, financial security um, and status ultimately, you know, that comes with that. And so um, those doors were shut on me uh, in Manhattan, Kansas. So I reverted back to selling um, narcotics, um, which would lead to my um, 
third trip to prison um, indirectly. And so um, my co-defendant was charged <clears throat> um, with a cocaine case and I was arrested for conspiracy. And so I was asked to uh, turn state evidence on him. And because I refused, the charges against him was dropped and I was sentenced to 68 months um, in prison, um, which um, was very, very tough for me because my, my daughter was four years old and she's the first person that came to my mind and I just couldn't imagine her being 10 years old. Right, that was unbelievable <clears throat> to me. I just think, I didn't think it was real. Um, um, and so because it was a year investigation and they had, um, I wasn't on any other surveillance. I didn't have a, a phone with any text messages. They didn't receive any marked money. They didn't get me out of any of these kick doors that they did. And they were, they had all these things with other people, but I wasn't a part of that. And so, um, man, it was, it was a, a very um, stressful situation uh, to be in. And so when I did arrive in prison, I had brought momentum with me um, into prison that I can still be great at something because I just went through an experience after getting released on bond and not being able to be in the city that I caught my case because it was a confidential, confidential informant. Um, I was homeless in a place I had never been, um, didn't know anyone, didn't have any money, um, but nevertheless, I was managed to get employed uh, with General Dynamics, um, working on defaulted student loan uh, under the Department of Education. I would um, get a two-bedroom apartment, a vehicle. I would also get accepted at KU for um, the Master's in Public Administration nonprofit focus, all while fighting um, this case for over 13 months. And so um, I was like, okay, I'm going to survive this and I'm going to be able to continue on with this life. But that wasn't what was written for me. The judge would ultimately not weigh that um, as heavily as this was an opportunity for um, me to make the right decision coming out of prison because he felt as though I was at a crossroad, um, which he said um, that I made the sentencing hard for him. Um, even though it was a legal situation facilitated by the police, um, he could have gave me a substantial longer amount of time to do. Um, and so he didn't. And so I took that energy with me into prison. And ultimately, I'm trying to skip forward, but when I would get released and I'll be back in the situation of homeless, geographically uh, displaced, no prior relationships, I knew that I could be successful because I had just did it um, five years ago, six years ago or so. And so I knew that. And so since I knew that, I focused on that. Man. Again, you keep finishing with powerful statements. You said, uh, you said first, off, first off, your story is, is extremely inspirational already. Um, I think a lot of people who listen to this um, are going to be able to connect with it because <clears throat> although the situation may be different, everyone faces you know, you know, some challenges in life. And, and personally, in my belief, um, God or, or whoever you know, depending on, you know, the type of person, whether, whatever you believe in, whatever you believe in. But for me, God gives gives tests that can be handled by individuals. They He'll give a hard test, a very challenging test. You know, a prime example is for you right now, it, you know, a very difficult test, but only one whose soul can handle that. And each person has different capacities. 
you know, I may have not been able to handle that situation because I may have not had that capacity. God didn't grant me that capacity. It doesn't mean one is better than another. It just means right. God granted each individual different capacities. And <laughs> yes, and 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 for me, you know, I'm thinking about people who are going to listen to this and and how it may not be the exact same situation, but they can apply that to whatever extreme challenge they're facing in this current moment or will face in the future. And understanding that once you know something in your head and you commit to something in your head and you understand that you do have the capabilities, the talents, the skills, the, 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 the opportunity to make something happen, no matter what situation faces you after that, you will be able to get through it. And I think that's what you were saying right there is, you know, you know when, you, when you were out on bond for that time and you saw what you could do by applying yourself, by not giving right. up by trusting in the process, by trusting in the, you know, by trusting in God, by trusting in yourself and your soul and, 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 and just going out there and getting to it every day. Right. And then having to face that challenge again and go back in for, for 60 plus months, but understanding before you went back in that you did have that power in you to make something happen is, is, is what, like you said, you know, helped you go in with a little bit of motivation, with a little bit of inspiration to, to, to hold you tight. I'm sure shit still got crazy. I'm sure shit still, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I'm sure shit got, it was painful, but I'm sure there was some, some very difficult, I can't even imagine, basically. I don't even want to speak on it because I can't even imagine. But you had that little inkling of understanding that you did have that capacity in you. So when you got out, here, here we are today having this conversation about what you're doing. Here you are today, you know, putting in work when it comes to swagging, putting in work when it comes to UPS and, and helping people get positions, especially young people, young African-American kids who really could, like, I know you can understand this. I know I can understand this, but may not have seen any other way if it wasn't for you helping out with those situations. If they, if, if they wasn't getting jobs for this person and this person and this person, you never know. That, that that child, that youth, that teenager, you, you know, you're sitting in a meeting with, you know, trying to help get a, get a job or, or teaching about opportunities that UPS has, or you never know where they were at in their life at that moment. They may have applied to 74 jobs prior to that and not got a single one. They're like, I'm going to apply to one last one. If I don't get this, I'm resorting to what I know. Oh, man, that's facts. Preach. <laughs> yep. And, and here you are, you know, doing the work, you know, so I just... You know, I know, I know it's not necessary. Of course, you're a humble individual, but I just want you to know here you are today. And I want the listeners to know here he is today after what you've heard so far of what he, what the experiences he's gone through from, from childhood to, to, you know, mid twenties, late twenties. And here he is as a 41 year old gentleman, still young, skin popping, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And, And he's out here doing good work. So just, just, just understand that. Once you know something, once you commit to the idea and you truthfully believe in the idea that you can, you know, really get something done, you'll be good. But um, sorry, I didn't mean to go on the whole little rant. <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, there's so many questions, so many things I want to ask you again. Sorry for the little rant there, but um dive a little bit more into Swag Inc. What is your mission statement for Swag Inc.? Like, if you were to give a rundown of, of what you do, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, what is that? Absolutely. Um, and so um, our mission at Swag Inc., 
um, is to promote ownership um, for those impacted by the criminal justice system. And so we do that by fostering a mindset of ownership under the umbrella of entrepreneurial development, um, also um, employment and non-punitive guidance. Non-punitive guidance, and so for Swag Inc., um, what that looks like is we are in Central High School, and so we have a career mentor partnership with KCPS. Uh, the students take the Swag curriculum, which is um, essentially the employment access, the mentoring, and the entrepreneurial piece. But also, we do a um, assessment that I developed while I was in prison. Actually, um, it's called I Said. It's an acronym, one big acronym, guys. You come to find out. Um, but individual self and identity, identity description. So again, individual self and identity description. And so we ask questions um, in a, in a um, formatted way uh, to evoke the best version of that person's self out of them without them consciously knowing it, right? And then we go revisit that and we build a profile to how that will connect them to their long-term uh, goals. And so on the entrepreneurial side for our students that want to pursue that, we can then now partner them with Startman KC. Uh, we've been working with them. Uh, they help entrepreneurs with funding and the platform to um, develop as an entrepreneur with mentors and um, funding and, and different um, events and things of that nature. And so we've been working under the umbrella of most entrepreneurial community in America and so these students um, go through one-day pitch competitions. They build out a business plan. Uh, they do the research. Um, they have a, a, a power meeting about it. Um, and then they get up and pitch in front of complete strangers. Uh, and this takes trust to get up and, and go tell somebody what you're passionate about, what you believe in. You know, that takes tremendous trust. And so we've been able to really connect with our students on that level. And so these are... Um, cash pitches and so they're able to receive funding that they can put into their business plan into their home into the bank account um, we also have partnered with community america credit union um, because we understand as we are capturing these prizes um, that we want to have a plan for that money and so we have um, a financial workshop that we do with community america as well um, and so now all of this of course is being impacted by covid and we're, we're doing some virtual stuff now but that's what it looks like for our mentoring um, in terms of entrepreneurial development. And then the actual mentoring is, you know, texting, calling. Um, a lot of my particular um, youth work with me at UPS, so I get to see them every day. But a lot of checking in, following up, making sure that, you know, they're processing the information in their social world correctly, um, understanding that a lot of adversity is temporary and in that moment you have to be response able right and that will lead to you being responsible and so that's something that we definitely um like to communicate to our youth because you look at this immediate situation but in, in their time you know this is lifelong already <laughs> you know <laughs> like no we can we, we can uh provide a solution for this and it will be resolved and then we can focus on something else, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. I love it. I love it. And I think, um, as you were mentioning, you're an acronym guy. And then like you were saying was response able and response able and, and, and just some of the things you were saying right there, I think it's important to realize how important language is implementing right. a language in a process is so powerful. We see so many, you know, obviously swag Inc is doing 
great work. More, I'm not going to compare it, but more great work than these collegiate athletic programs. But I wanted to speak about collegiate athletic programs and how these coaches, um, these teams, these the, the, the leadership that they, they hire to come on to be leaders for these young athletes really always develop a program around language, like a language program. There's language that they use specifically to help, you know, push push the idea of, of greatness, push the idea of leadership forward, push the idea of, you know, basically being a greater version of yourself, a greater version of your team, whatever it is, um, it's necessary to have a language. So, you know, I think, you know, there's so many small things that you can pick out of this podcast, listeners, but one thing is, you know, don't, 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 don't think like certain things are, are weird. If you like using acronyms, use acronyms. If you like saying a certain, if you like saying a certain phrase, like, like my new phrase right now that I like to say every day when I'm like post IG video or when I get up for work, even though I don't want to get up and go to a job that I'm not super passionate about is I always remind myself, I'm like, let's move with an attitude of gratitude. I say that all the time, an attitude of gratitude. And it's important to have that language because it reinforces it reinforces, you know, that mentality, it reinforces what you're working towards, it reinforces the purpose behind, you know, whatever the process you're going through is right now. So shout out to your acronyms, because those are, those are, those are actually very powerful for, for individuals who, who need to understand and learn via certain language styles. So that's dope. So tell me, yes, sir, tell me about how you like, first like jumped in and implemented this program when you got out though so you create this you create swag you create um i said you create the these 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 programs that that are are made for good for the community for the youth for for minority communities for black and brown brothers and sisters but how do you actually implement it who do you hit up when you get out who do you call where do you go who who are you getting in contact with talk about that great question so um Again, um, piggyback off the, the phrase of um, it's like a ride that you knowledge about. And so um, for me, it was reentry. And so for that process, um, it was socially constructed by the prison administration. Um, two years prior to release in the state of Kansas anyway, um, the prison administration is supposed to be your release plan. This entails, you know, where you'd be releasing to, um, support system is supposed to be a plan and it's supposed to be intentional and purposeful. And so um, they didn't afford that to me and they just released me homeless. And so um, my PO subsequently was also my unit team when I was in Lansing. Now that should be illegal because <laughs> we didn't have a great relationship in prison. So um, what was brought to me was, well, you can be in Missouri in the daytime, but you got to sleep in Kansas at, at night. Sleep where? I don't know. This is her response. Um, what about um, employment? Well, there's some public board. What about have to go through this because I just left and I had been leaving historically prison and the men in there, myself included, the one thing we would say is that, you know, man, if we had a job prior to getting out, man, we can, we can be really successful. Um, and so that would resonate with me. And so I got on um, at UPS as a package handler. Um, 
unloading trucks. And so they didn't hire me to be a, a social scientist with three degrees. My job was to unload trailers. And so because I was going through um, so much turmoil outside of work, that's the only place I wanted to be was in work because it was safe, it was secure, I was generating revenue, um, and I wasn't homeless during those hours. You know, I was like everybody else at work. And so um, when the opportunity presented itself, I got promoted to um, uh, operational supervisor. And at that time, I knew that I was in management and I knew that I could seek other management positions and I knew that human resource would be a pathway to the corporate engagement piece that I was, was seeking. And so um, I expressed interest in the HR position. Um, it came available. I was supported. As soon as I got into the HR position, um, two things happened. I would submit my business plan to my manager just to test the waters. Uh, to see where we would stand, just to know that, you know, this is my vision, this is what I, I, I want UPS to support, um, it would be good for the community, I didn't know how they would look at that, and so I, I was willing to risk my new position on it, um, and so I did, and so um, if he came back to me, he said, this is amazing, um, we want to support you in any way that we can, we want you to focus on um, hiring um, people that have been impacted by the criminal justice system to advocate for them, uh, to share your story. We want to see other people do what you've been able to do. Um, and so we support you 100%. <clears throat> also, um, Eric Day is his name, uh, my area HR manager at UPS, Eric Day, um, would then give me a laptop and also a token uh, so I could work remotely. And I'm only a part-time supervisor. These are tools for full-time staff. The second thing, while I was in prison, um, I read a book by Carter G. Woodson, Carter G. Woodson, excuse me, The Miseducation of the Negro. And the major premise of that book resonates with me for the rest of my life. And that is, um, and a little feedback on Carter G. Woodson, he's the founder of Black History Month, first Black History Week. Um, but nevertheless, <clears throat> um, in this piece, he describes that people of color, African-Americans, that we look to the Western, <clears throat> um, um, when we look to the Western doctrine on education as a pathway to being financially successful, and then we also flee to those suburban areas and thereby default, um, we take our talents, resources, innovation, um, finances out of our community, you know, and this is a part of that um, uh, debilitating um, status that we're in now, our decaying system that we're in. And so I, I said, man, I was on that same trajectory. You know, even though I had these degrees, it wasn't really about going back to community and doing no work. It was just securing stability for me and my family and getting away from where I grew up out of, right? Because this is what we are taught. Like, we got to leave the hood. Got to get out of here. That's success, leaving the hood. For me, success is empowering myself and then coming back and empowering someone else in the hood, right? And so when I received those tools, I, was, I went to East High School. I just popped up on the doorstep. Say, hey, we can offer positions. Um, and then Swag Inc. would be introduced. And so then it would become kind of a, um, a, a dual setting. You know, on Friday, I would show up um, as the HR supervisor for UPS um, and do an orientation and hire on the spot. Monday, I would double back um, and return as the CEO of Swag Inc. and work with um, their um, at-risk youth as they, as they termed them. And so um, that will grow into me meeting uh, Principal Anthony Madry of Central High School. And this is the individual that 
that that made I'm gonna say made, but allowed for swagging to do work, right? Because before then, it was just an idea, the idea. It was written on paper, and I was communicating it. I was going through entrepreneurial programs, um, but we weren't doing any work, right? And so um, we, I had an opportunity to meet him at a mentoring success uh, event. And uh, he loved everything that we talked about. And so he said, you know, we can get to work Monday. You come talk to our students. Because I was already an approved mentor through KCPS. So that helped. And so, you know, Monday, now I'm in the, I'm talking to a student. You know, now we're doing work. You know, and out of that, we were able to connect with Startland. So now we have students. You know, and then that would lead um, to the Community America piece. And, 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 and that would lead to everything really that we're doing. You know, Principal Anthony Matthews would open up Central High School. And he opened it up to me in such a way that was unbelievable. And so when I arrived to the school, <clears throat> uh, he asked me to wait in his office. And he's on his walkie-talkie calling people, hey, we got this. He's on the phone, get down here, and we have a meeting group. And I'm thinking, wow, somebody important about to show up. You know, and they all come in his office. They all stand behind his desk. And they're looking at me, and they're like, he's here. This is him. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's going on here? You know, and so that love, that compassion, um, that belief, um, that reciprocity, um, what I call KC, reciprocity KC, man, it's a beautiful city, um, beautiful people, culture is low to the ground, you can have a conversation between two strangers like we had, and some beautiful can come out of that, and that, that's not the story anywhere. I love it, I love it, I love it, that's powerful, shout out to the principal of Central. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> shout, out, shout out, shout out to our brother over there. Um, yes, sir. So, so what's the, let's, let's talk about like the next five years or so, or three or five years, where do you foresee, you know, swagging going? What are, what are some of your, your plans for the next few years? If that's too far ahead, then just any, anything in the future, what are some of the plans for swagging? Absolutely. Well, um, that's a good demarcation to start. Um, and so as we've gotten further um, in this business model, um, we are looking at, a re-entry university, right? And we want to be national because of our partnership with UPS. It actually make us global. We can hire or offer employment throughout the nation, which I've been doing right now via my phone. All I have to do is send a, a referral uh, via email and, and we can get that done. And so the re-entry university, what does that look like? And also mentoring space. Um, it's a building on 39th and Woodlawn, old movie theater. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, right off of 71 Highway. And so we would like that to be a creative space where we can generate revenue, um, export products, bring that money back to KCMO, um, a safe place um, for our students to grow and develop in. And we can also then grow that community around us and the people that are in that community around us. And we can rally around, you know, creating opportunities for others because it's going to ultimately, you know, lead to you being successful as well. Absolutely. For sure. I love it. I love it. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how, you know, I'm sure I'm sure this individual inspired you a little bit, you know, being from from that area, being from, um, you know, going in, 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 in the direction you're going. And I know you were doing this before he passed and everything, but I'm just saying, what are what are some some ways that Nipsey Hussle inspired you? What are some some, you know, I don't know if the correct word is ideology. What are some thoughts or, or, or quotes he had that, that, you know, really hold true to your heart? 
Uh, so that's a great question. Um, and so uh, Nipsey and I, we met, so recall earlier I said I left uh, when I was 21 and so came to Kansas. That was uh, around 01 or so. And so Nipsey and I will miss each other, but um, his his day ones uh, from the turf is my day ones. You know, I grew up with them. And so we we had that um we had that um his, we had that relationship through through that manner. And so I was able to be introduced to him. And so we had a conversation, and out of that conversation, he would let me know that what's in, what was important to him is ownership. And the way that he described that was off of uh, the desire of Rick Ross to sign Nipsey. And, you know, everybody was kind of like, man, why hasn't this guy signed this contract? Is he crazy? And so and I just happened to have an opportunity to, to ask him that. And, you know, he told me that for him, uh, his responsibility was to remain patient and uh, be the master of his destiny. And, you know, ownership was important to him. And so um, I would have an opportunity to well on that over five years that I was incarcerated. And so it became very important to me uh, once I started really working on my business plan to pull back up on Nipsey and to show him how his conversation inspired me uh, to create a nonprofit and also a for-profit business because I was able to see him evolve over the course of my five-year sentence. Um, and it, just, it was just inspirational because I know um, the elements, uh, the environment, um, the adversities, the battles with self, um, the battles um, with change um, that he had to overcome to reach the best version of himself. And so what I've seen in Nipsey was the principle of alchemy, turning the base leg into gold. And so um, I never had a passion for entrepreneurship because I never knew what that was <laughs> until um, I would be- that, That's um, a powerful statement right there. Continue going, but that's powerful. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and so um, my objective was to approach Nipsey and to present this to Nipsey. I had no other, it was tunnel vision because I wanted it to be two from the hood, you know, that that uh, would create the, these different um, uh, uh, changes for self and for other people. And so I didn't have an opportunity to do that. And in fact, I went to LA when I got released and I consciously um, refused to go see him because I wasn't where I thought I needed to be to present my case to him, right? And so my homies was, was uh, hitting me like, yeah, he's, he's performing at V-Live, you know what I mean? We can pull up after I was, and I was like, no, nah, I'm good, I'm away. You know, and unfortunately, um, may peace and blessings be upon him and his family. Um, he would transition to that next life um, before, you know, I could present my own business plan to him. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, one of the powerful things that you shared right there is besides the whole story being powerful itself. <laughs> but uh, but now one thing that stood out to me is, you know, you never had a passion for entrepreneurship because you never knew what it was. And as simple as that sounds, I'm going to repeat it again. He never had a passion for entrepreneurship because he never knew what it was. And I think, especially in our communities, this is something that is real. <laughs> you know, we don't have um, parents, uncles, cousins. We don't that 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 
we don't have a history of parents, uncles, and cousins that um, have ownership over over a company who 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 are you know big investment guys who are who are you know big music label executives that own things. We don't we don't hear about ownership. Yeah. We don't hear about entrepreneurship except in a specific way. <laughs> um, but right, but, right, right, right. But that, even but, but even but even in that it's not defined under the umbrella of entrepreneurship to help us understand that we can take that same concept, that same, that same way of moving, that same business plan, quote unquote, and apply it to something a little bit more constructive. Exactly. But we never were presented that umbrella. And that's why it's so important what you're doing. That's why Nipsey's legacy is so powerful and so important. What you're doing is so important. And, and preaching about ownership, preaching about entrepreneurship, presenting these in, um, you know, inner city schools where where people are, you know, facing the same challenges that that you face, mm-hmm. facing the same challenges that Nip faced, and and right. we'll face those challenges without guidance if individuals like yourself or if legacies like Nip aren't left behind or put in front of their eyes. So again, I'm going to repeat. He never had a passion for entrepreneurship because he was never educated about it. And this is why being educated about entrepreneurship, being educated about ownership, being educated about, you know, whatever you want to call it, your third eye or 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 your or, or spirituality or understanding self. Or this is why education about these things, conversations about these things are so powerful, so necessary in regards to the growth of black and brown communities to get out of the situations we are in right now. Um, so, so I just wanted to thank you for pointing that out and sharing that, even though you may not have done that intentionally, or maybe you did do it intentionally, that is something powerful that people need to hear. And, you know, if you're listening to this right now, and this is your first introduction to entrepreneurship, or all you see is a whole bunch of, and, and you know, nowadays it's become cool to put entrepreneurship in your bio, you know? But <laughs> but but the problem is the missing piece is they're still not being educated about it. You know what I'm saying? We're still, you know, it's 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 a it's a cool word, but it's not being implemented in a constructive systemic, you know, process that helps uplift an entire community uh, of of you know people in our communities and educating, you know, systems in school, systems at the Boys and Girls Club, systems, you know, maybe at small scale they're being implemented, but we need as many people being educated about this and as many people preaching this and understanding the power and importance of entrepreneurship, the power and importance of ownership inside of entrepreneurship. And um, these conversations are just important. So, <laughs> um, so let's see, we're, 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 we're we're just going, man. We 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 over here. You sharing great stories. I'm going on rants. <laughs> time is time, time. Time is flying us. But I'm gonna ask you a few more questions. Um, you kind of touched on it before, but I want you to retouch on it again. Can you please define what you mean by community reciprocity and perpetuity? Absolutely. Now that's an intriguing question. Uh, one that made me, um, <clears throat> in fact, uh, think about why that stood out to you, even. And so. Um, can I ask that prior to me answering it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was doing my, my, you know, research, and honestly, I saw it before, you know, it goes with your posts on social, you've mentioned it before, but also doing my research, when I look at it, I'm like, first off, that sound, this, it, it sounds dumb me saying this, but like, it just sounded cool, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, community, reciprocity, and perpetuity. My understanding of 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 perpetuity is is consistent um, and in a lot of amounts of you know per, perpetual, like continuing to come back. You know, constant uh, uh, re re flows. Like you know, the flow goes down, but it comes right back. You know, perpetuity and and reciprocity. I don't. I can be a hundred percent honest know the definition of reciprocity but to me when i hear that word when i'm reading it in a sentence my context clues normally lead to um freedom you know like a uh, uh upliftment so when i was reading it, i was a community reciprocity and perpetuity i don't know what that means but what it sounds like is the promotion of 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 a healthy community constantly and consistently so i was like this sounds cool but i don't understand exactly what it means so I want to know what it means, you know, coming from the mouth of of who I heard it from first. So that's kind of my my thought process and why I decided to add that in here as one of the questions is because I'm like, that sounds powerful, but what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. Thank you. Um, and so uh, let's start off with reciprocity. So for other people that may not be familiar with that word right off the bat. And so um, reciprocity is simply um, the exchanging of items for mutual benefit. So you are right. And, and that um, freedom is freedom of, of uh, selfishness. And so I'm a firm believer that um, the universe minus the self is plus one. Um, that's from James Allen. And so uh, community reciprocity and perpetuity. Um, for me, that would be um, a playoff of the word CRIP. I'm an acronym guy, remember? And so CRIP, C-R-I-P. Um, and so historically, um, CRIP uh, means, um, in its historical connotation, uh, community revolution in progress. And so um, as me growing up in that genre of time um, where the advent of cocaine separated us um, as a people and then CRIP lost its definition and so did blood. And so blood was initially better look out or die. Uh, in reference to the police um, militarizing our community. And so there was two uh, stewards that were um, acting as vanguards for our people, interjecting the crack cocaine that no longer exists. And so I said, how can I say that in a different way? Um, because that may sound inflammatory to some people. I don't know. Um, so I just, I just ran it through my mind and I came up with community reciprocity and perpetuity. And that is the best way that uh, we can ensure that humanity um, will advance, right? And so that's cool for the community, but as we also need to be um, empowered to have ownership, to have um, a stake uh, in our current affairs to be relevant. And how do we do that? And so um, business-led opportunities, organizational development, that will become the acronym for blood. Man, <laughs> yo, so, nah, man. Like, I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of good interviewees that come on here. You know, I've, I've enjoyed all of my interviews that I've had, but for some reason, this one feels way more powerful. You know, no disrespect to my last interviews, but, but, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this interview, and, and I talk about it in a lot of my interviews because I feel like I never get enough questions off about a part two, but this is an absolute must demand for for a part two. You know, you know, it's <laughs> not it's it's not pleasure. it's not an option, my brother. You have to come on again. <laughs> but, hey, my, my pleasure, because I feel yeah, like I because, can give more. 
Absolutely. This is a powerful conversation and this is something that's touching me. This is something that's inspiring me right now. And a lot of my conversations make me feel good, but it, it, it's difficult for a lot of my conversations to truly inspire something within me or, or, or be educated about something that, that I wasn't prior, you know, <laughs> priorly already understood. So, so, and I don't mean that in any egotistical way because I'm, you know, I'm always learning, but but what I will say is that I'm just feeling a lot of, of good energy, a lot of uplifting energy from this conversation. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. And we're not going to wrap it up quite yet, but I just wanted to share that um, before I ask these last few questions. But we're definitely going to have okay. to do a part two. My listeners are used, used to me saying that a lot, but understand that he will be back on here, ladies and gentlemen, because I feel like this conversation is, is, is good for a lot of us to hear. A lot, a lot of the individuals who I know are part of my um, listening community, um, you know, no disrespect to them, but are ignorant on a lot of these conversations that we, that we're talking mm -hmm. about, whether it's mass incarceration, whether it's um, the implementation of, of crack cocaine to break up our communities, whether it's whether it's the, the acronyms you're sharing, whether it's um, about entrepreneurship or, or ownership and, and the power that it holds when it comes to um, our, our community. So um, I think that this is a very educational conversation, inspiring conversation that will cause other individuals to go do some more research. And, and so, yeah, anyways, I, I, like I said, I go on these rants and then I'm like, damn, there it. goes 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love but, it. Um, so, so the last few questions I have are what companies or individuals are you looking to partner with in the coming months or years when it comes to any of the work you're doing? Um, it can be just as it can be through Swag Inc. It can just be, you know, some, some personal interest. Are there any companies that stand out in, in the social work that they're doing and the social justice work that they're doing that, that inspire you to want to connect with whoever's leading, leading that movement at other companies, whether it's a big company like Nike or something, or whether it's a small company local, is there anybody that you're interested in partnering with? Absolutely, Coalition. So um, <clears throat> let me answer that um, layer. And so in terms of a person, um, Wag Inc., myself, we would love to work with um, Hill Harper, okay? And so um, during my incarceration, I had an opportunity to read um, <clears throat> letters uh, to an incarcerated brother. And at that time, I wasn't really familiar with Hill Harper um, as I will become to know him uh, through that literature. I just, you know, he's an actor. You know, I didn't know that he had been to college um, that uh, he was a writer, um, that he was an advocate. You know, there were so many more things to him that I wasn't aware of. And so um, when I read the book, it allowed me to uh, prepare for my release and organizing the way that would look like through his idea of flowcharts. And so um, I actually have um, flowchart. This was, uh, <clears throat> he wanted you to, to um, write where you were at in prison, your goals in prison, and then another flow chart of what it looked like for you when you were released from prison. And so um, I did that. And so, um, so you can really see this, but this is uh, my, my flow chart in prison. And so, but it goes from the bottom up, right? And so um, we have me in prison, uh, spiritual guidance, um, live healthy, complete self-help programs, uh, read, write, think critically, uh, study Arabic language, draft incorporation of bylaws for Swag Inc., draft business plan for FAMBAM, uh, draft the self-curriculum, successful endeavors, 
successful endeavors, leveling failure and the life curriculum, living in feudal environments. These are actually two curriculums we teach uh, in our partnership with KCPS. Um, complete the first draft of the, of the book I wrote, um, focused on writing Hill Harper, uh, give charity, knowledge, energy, and love, and trust the process. And that's the way that I'm going I'm to leave this prison. Man, that's beautiful. By, by that's doing beautiful. those things. It's hung on my prison walls. Still got my prison tape on there. Man. <laughs> Man. And so this is me out of prison. This is what it's going to look like for me. Yes, sir. I love that flow chart. I me love that idea prison. as well. You know, so, yeah. And so right here is consistent. I got to leave out trusting the process. Right. And so right here, I got to believe I got to begin there trusting in the process, which is my business plan, you know. And so out of that would, you know, I would say involve myself in my support system, become a part of the Islamic community, um, activate, excuse me, um, actively participate in fatherhood, uh, secure adequate employment, adequate housing, um, apply back to KU, which I thought I wanted to do. And on this side, we have the master's program, Create Swag Inc., um, advocate for criminal justice reform, establish relationships um, with um, um, other organizations, um, establish halfway houses for youth. And so this is in prison. This is lofty goals for somebody that is sitting in a prison cell and they, they're, they're bound, whatever they have probably is worth 10 cents, <laughs> you know, <Man>. total. <laughs> you know? <Man. laughs> And that's that's what I'm that's what I'm like, you know, it, it's powerful for me to see because I'm struggling to even see how someone can have that mindset or these these goals, you know, locked in a small cell, you know, not knowing, especially. Yeah, go ahead. Actually, what were you about to say? I was I was seeing Nipsey. I was seeing Nipsey on TV. I was seeing him doing interviews. I was fresh off a conversation with him that I was replaying my head. That was just like a, a burning circle. And, you know, I said, man, he he did it, I can do it. Like, we're literally from the same place. <laughs> you know, there's no excuse for me. I have to, I have to own um, the bad choices I've made. I have to own that this is going to require uh, some uncomfortableness. Um, I'm going to have to own that this is temporary, you know, and that you have a plan. And so I'm a firm believer that uh, the universe conspires with those that pursue their personal legends. I'm a firm believer since I read um, Poello Coelho's uh, The Alchemist, um, that was also perpetuating energy. The un I had never heard that phrase, the universe conspires with those that pursue their personal legends. And through that phrase of personal legends and the way that he describes it in the book, you have a ultimate best self out there that is obtainable and this is mathematically true if you add your worst self right this is a mathematical fact <laughs> you sure. know? So, so yeah he, this is this is no cap <laughs> right? <It's really laughs> as they say <laughs> <laughs> right it's simple mathematics and so uh that would transpire into uh me developing a formula uh of thinking one plus one equals three okay i never heard that that makes no sense one plus one is two well uh, two constructs are always going to produce a variable, right? So one plus one is three. It's always going to have a consequence. Mm -hmm. So I have to match up my one and ones to produce the most ideal consequence. And so that's what I would focus on. Man, I love it. I love it. Shoosh.
y'all better be listening. Y'all better replay this right now. Y'all better run it back. You know what I'm saying? Y'all better run that back. All right. You got your last two questions, brother. All right. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, sir. First off, you do. Hey, all your answers have been fabulous, inspiring, and, and, and great. You do a really good job communicating. Um, your story is inspiring. Your 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 mission that you're you're on right now is inspiring. And um, you know, I just pray that more individuals can can come in contact with you and be able to interview you for their platforms to provide your story to other individuals as well. Because you know, I only have access to so many people, but I hope that 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 other people can tap in with you and really talk to you about your your story and, and your mission because I think it's powerful and will inspire a lot of individuals. So. Um, all right. I did want to ask you this question because this is a question I have for myself. And I think it's a question for individuals who don't have any connection to anybody that's been incarcerated, don't have any connection to, um, you know, you know, understanding or knowing uh, about mass incarceration until recently, until, you know, social media is like blowing these conversations up, um, you know. So I wanted to ask, uh, what does prison reform look like to you? And how can we as a community, and I, I mean that in a sense of, 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 of worldwide or, or nationwide, white, black, Mexican, Asian, um, how can we as a community of human beings contribute to, to, to helping that process? So what does prison reform look like to you? And what are some ways, um, it can be one way, multiple ways that, that individuals like myself or other people in the community can help um, push, that, push that forward? Absolutely. So uh, this is an inspiring question. Um, so criminal justice reform, that looks like uh, to me, um, it ends where it starts at. And so that's going to be uh, in the legislature. And I think that there's been a disconnect of uh, grooming our youth to become lawyers, uh, to be um, ensconced in the law, uh, to look at policy. Um, and so if we're not engaged, someone else is engaged. And so I think that that part is where SWAG comes in and other organizations and other people, we have to promote that amongst our youth, let them know that um, we can create change um, through the legislature. And so, but we have to become active participants in that process. And, you know, so for those that, for law school um, that that is for, then we, we need to make sure, you know, we're collectively doing that. And so that's something that I would like to see, like a big law school fund uh, for our youth um, that are interested in, in law. I want to learn more about law and how that connects to um, their lives. And so, um, because at this time, <clears throat> as um, one of the questions you pointed out, um, these criminal injustices are racialized social control over a demographic of people that are particularly being black and brown. Um, and so even in Missouri, you have a situation where there's 19,000 um, returning citizens that comes out to 1,583 people per month. 44% uh, of those will return within the first year. Um, and so that's ridiculous. And so I think that the reform is in making prison specific to its purpose. Um, and moving away from the pr prison industrial complex in terms of monetizing um, freedom or, excuse me, uh, lack of freedom. And so um, moving in that direction as well. And so I see that what we would like to do 
is match up our three-year model um, against the state three-year model of, of when uh, people being released from prison will return between the first and the third year with the first year being the highest. Well, we want to come in and just position our program uh, and say it'll look like this from the first year to the third year um, and see that our numbers will be better, right? And so um, we can support other organizations. Um, we can look at our perspectives first and foremost, um, listen to people and their stories and how this environment impacts them, right? Because we're not going to be, we're not impacted the same way by the environment. We don't experience the same things. We don't have access to the same things. Um, we're not going up under a veil of perceived incivility, right? Where we look out into our environment and we align that with the best version of ourselves. And we're coming at short because there's nothing to align nothing with. How you align a brick wall with graffiti and bullet holes in it with being something great. When mm -hmm. in other environments you have monuments and landmarks and you have an energy to do this, right? That's called competitive advantage, you know, all the races. So um, I think for us, that's what criminal justice reform looks like, starting in the legislature, um, getting our youth um, involved in the law early, um, also organizations coming in to support returning citizens, um, the community, because I look at it this way. I would rather much rather I would rather offer you an opportunity than meet you in a dark alley <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> right. I would rather that would be better for you, for me, and for humanity. So why not do that? <laughs> That's a great point. I never had I never heard it put like that. That's a great point. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Straight up. That's real. That's real. Boom. And just like that, you came with the fire. Um, the final question for you, brother, is if you die tomorrow, which hopefully you do not, but as we know, you got to move with an attitude of gratitude because we are not in complete control. We are in control of our lives, but not in complete control. So we need to be grateful every day for every opportunity we have to take a breath and, um, you know, put in effect change um, in, in this world while we have time. So if, if tomorrow was your last day, brother, what would you want your legacy to be and how would you like to be remembered? Absolutely. So I would want my legacy uh, to be that of charity that extends beyond the grave, meaning that I'm no longer breathing, but the things that I've instructed on this earth are people are still benefiting from. And so that's what I like to see my legacy. That's what Swag Inc. represents to me. Um, it's a symbol of ownership, of growth, of development, of mercy, um, of reciprocity, um, of patience. Um, you know, not everyone gets to sit up and tell their story um, after a 30-year interaction with the streets. Right. And so um, I definitely want to be remembered as a servant leader, uh, someone that for all intended purposes uh, could have took their knowledge, skill sets and abilities and uh, focused on self, but uh, elected to um, give back because that's what's right. I love it. That's powerful. Again, one last time, I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for the efforts that you're you're putting each and every day to serve humanity, to advance our civilization forward. 
not only for the black and brown community, but through your efforts will also affect change throughout the community worldwide. So understand that every day that you wake up and you put you put work towards what you're doing right now, that you're placing a brick um, on the building that will serve not just our community, but will serve society as a whole, humanity as a whole, um, in whatever way that may be. Um, I want you to remember that Right now at 41, you still popping, you still living life, and you have, you still have double the amount of years to keep putting forth the work and effort um, that you're doing right now. So I pray that you have uh, the same health that you have right now. I pray that you have the same strength, the same motivation, inspiration, and feeling of purpose to um, do what you are doing right now continuously for the next 50 years. Um, again, thank you for your time, brother. That's love, Carlos. We appreciate you uh, giving us this platform uh, to share our story. Um, that's a confirmation um, that the universe conspires with those that pursue their personal legend. Um, I believe that you know your, your time is valuable um, and that uh, for you to express interest in what we're doing and want to highlight uh, that, I mean, it speaks volumes to um, where we want to be ultimately. Um, and so we're grateful and we look forward to tuning in and listening to other stories in the future. And um, hopefully we can, you know, connect with listeners um, and do work. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Please share with them where they can find you on social or a website or an email. Go ahead and share that with them before we hop off. Absolutely. So IG is going to be swaginc.org1, S-W-A-G-G-I-N-C dot O-R-G, the number one. Um, also, we will be doing a hiring event. Um, Swag Inc. will have UPS and Goodwill um, there. We will be at Equal Minded Cafe and Event Center, 4327 Truth Ave, KC Mo, September 27th, excuse me, September 21st, 2020 um, at noon. And so the Goodwill has an amazing grant right now. They have 30 positions that they want to offer to people that are currently on probation and parole. Um, and they also offer, excuse me, also offer upskilling. And so if you want to get uh, your uh, skills, uh, your skill set sharpened, they will finance that piece as well. And so um, we can definitely look forward to connecting us on that day, 921-20 at 12 p.m. Equal Minded Cafe and Event Center. Blessings, blessings. Thank you for your time again, brother. I hope you have a blessed evening. Thank you. Thank you. Peace and blessings. Yes, sir. And Culture Talk, the Culture Talks podcast listeners, thank you for tapping in. Please leave a review, comment, and enjoy the remainder of your evening. Peace. Peace.